Chapter Twenty Four of the Sorcery Club by Elliot O'Donnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty Four: The Subpoena. A few days after the incident in Margaret Terrace, Shiel had an inspiration. He was lunching with an old schoolfellow whom, quite by chance, he had met in Lincoln's Inn having previously lost sight of him for many years and the conversation which had at first been confined to the old days had gradually drifted to what was ever upmost in shield's mind namely the modern sorcery company that is hamar kelson and curtis did you know his friend remarked that the old statute introduced in henry v's reign against sorcery has never been repealed you don't mean to say so shield cried excitedly a vague idea dawning on him tell me all about it well that's rather a long order for one thing it imposes all kinds of penalties from capital punishment to fines for another it was in force up to the beginning of george the third's reign when the last case of a person being burned for witchery in england occurred and since then it has fallen into disuse could it be revived shiel asked a sudden wild hope surging through him for all i know to the contrary it could his friend who by the way was a barrister replied of course no one could be burned or hanged under it but they might be fined or imprisoned then i wish to goodness you would file a case against the modern sorcery company i'd move heaven and earth to get the scoundrels sent to prison and he told his friend how matters stood between gladys and hamar the barrister whose name was sevening h v sevening of t c d and cheltenham college renown was keenly interested it was not only that his sense of chivalry was stirred but he saw sport consequently the foregoing conversation resulted in a prosecution which taking place some four weeks later was reported in the london herald as follows extraordinary charge heard at the old bailey revival of an ancient statute yesterday at the old bailey before his honour judge rosher leon hamar edward curtis and matthew kelson of the modern sorcery company limited were indicted under the twenty-third of henry v c fifteen which makes it a capital offence to practise and administer spells the case for the prosecution promises to be a lengthy one an enormous number of witnesses who are most anxious to make statements will be called and it is anticipated that much of their evidence will be of a most extraordinary nature the accused are cited with having worked spells to the injury which injury in many instances has been fatal of a vast number of people representing every rank in life hilda countess of ramsgate who appeared in heavy mourning was the first witness called in her evidence she stated that it was owing to an advertisement she had seen in the ladies meadow that she had consulted the modern sorcery company limited with the object of buying a spell to prevent her pekingese pet brutus catching colds in his liver she had hoped to see mr kelson as she had heard that he was more sympathetic where ladies were concerned than either mr hamar or mr curtis but as mr kelson was engaged she had consulted mr edward curtis instead 
the latter had given her a spell which he had assured her would have the desired effect but directly she got home her adored brutus developed melancholia and died raving mad after having bitten her child who by the way had died too for the defence gerald kirby k c declared that the spell his client had given the countess was perfectly harmless that it could not possibly have produced either melancholia or madness can any dependence he said be placed on a woman who obviously thinks more of her dog's death than that of her child the court was adjourned till to-morrow in the following day's paper the evidence for the prosecution was continued lady marjorie tatler who in the weekly and illustrated journals for no other reason than her reputed beauty was introduced over and over again to the long-suffering public was the first to step into the witness-box she declared that edward curtis instead of giving her a spell to make florilda win the derby had given her a diabolical something that brought out spots all over her face and that she had to undergo a most expensive treatment before they could be got rid of in cross-examination lady marjorie tatler admitted that she had asked edward curtis for a spell that would cause all the horses running in that particular race save florilda to be taken ill for the defence gerald kirby k c explained that his client was so disgusted at the immorality of lady marjorie's request that he had purposely given her a spell that would have no effect upon a horse and could not possibly bring out spots on her ladyship's face the spell edward curtis gave her gerald kirby said was a mixture of hemp seed and sago flavoured with violet powder and my client instructed her ladyship to wear it next her heart loud laughter lady coralie mars the next witness who declared she had sought a spell to make the man she was forced into marrying fall into a trance just before the marriage ceremony was to take place and that instead of bringing this about the spell edward curtis had sold her had caused her to have st vitus's dance was adroitly trapped into admitting that she had really wanted her fiance smitten with paralysis a wish gerald kirby announced with a dramatic flourish of his hands that so aroused my client's indignation that instead of giving her the spell she wanted he gave her one that would make her affianced husband more than ever hungry for the marriage hour to arrive as for st vitus's dance would any woman with an emotional and hysterical nature such as obviously was that of lady coralie mars ever be free from such a complaint the honourable augusta mapple who stated that she had visited the modern sorcery company for the purpose of obtaining a spell to bring about a defeat of the government by afflicting the bulk of their supporters with such bilious attacks as would necessitate their absence from the house and that instead of giving her such a spell edward curtis had given her one which had caused every member of her household to fall downstairs admitted under cross-examination that she had asked for a spell that would make every supporter of the government in the house be suddenly seized with tetanus a diabolical request your lordship gerald kirby said and one to which my client could not possibly accede consequently as punishment for such cruelty he sold her a spell that would result in her having a sharp attack of toothache it could not possibly have produced any of the mishaps she attributes to it it is unnecessary to quote further 
by far the greater number of these witnesses on being cross-examined by mr kirby who defended with an ability that has rarely if ever been excelled were made to confess that they had wanted the spells for a far more subtle and dangerous purpose than they had previously stated admissions which of course were highly prejudicial to the case for the prosecution shiel lost hope he had looked forward to the trial with an excitement that almost bordered on frenzy it was never out of his mind he thought of it at meals he thought of it at his work he thought of it out of doors and when he went to bed he dreamed of it i'll save you i'll save you yet he wrote to gladys the trial can only result in one thing the breaking up and imprisonment of the trio but when he read the papers each day and saw how in almost every instance evidence which ought to have been damning to the accused had been twisted into their favour his heart sank there was only one chance now lilian rosenberg she of all the staff employed in the hall in cockspur street was best acquainted with the modus operandi of monsieurs homar curtis and kelson we must get a hold of that girl at all costs h v savenning remarked to shiel you say you feel sure she likes you work upon her feelings to show the firm up i don't much like the idea of it shiel said but i suppose the end justifies the means of course it does savenning retorted it's your only chance of saving miss martin acting on this suggestion shiel approached lilian rosenberg on the subject what about the spells he asked her have you found out yet how hamar works them i have only heard him muttering in his room again she said her cheeks paling and you you will only laugh at me i have seen queer shadows hovering in his doorway stealing down the passages shadows that terrified me i never knew what real fear was before i came to cockspur street and for the past few weeks i have been almost too afraid to open my room door for fear i would see something standing outside you have no doubt i suppose in your mind that the trio practise sorcery i certainly think they are helped in all they do by evil spirits do you approve of such proceedings i don't think them right i don't think we have any right to pry into the unknown some day undoubtedly it will be given us to know but until that day comes we had far better leave it alone if you think like that shiel said how can you reconcile yourself to working for this people how can i help myself lilian rosenberg answered beggars can't be choosers i am not responsible for what they do but supposing you knew they were about to commit a very heinous crime wouldn't you feel it your duty to try and circumvent them that depends lilian rosenberg said if i could stop them without running any risk of losing my post then i would probably try to stop them but if stopping them meant being sacked i most certainly shouldn't it isn't easy to get posts nowadays especially good-paying posts like this what do you take me for a fool then you don't believe in self-sacrifice even for a friend shiel said slowly that depends on the degree of friendship lillian replied if it were for someone i liked very much then perhaps is there anyone you like very much i somehow can't fancy you being very fond of anyone couldn't you lillian said with a faint sigh you don't think me capable of any deep affection you forget perhaps that a woman doesn't always wear her heart on her sleeve i confess i don't understand women shiel said and i had best come to the point at once 
i happen to know that the trio or at least one of the trio is contemplating doing something ultra abominable a cruel and shameful wrong which i particularly wish to prevent but i may not be able to do anything without your help will you help me how can i lillian asked why by finding out something which might be damning evidence against them or by stating your opinion in court there is only one way of staying the trio from doing this dastardly thing and that is by getting this case which is now being tried to go against them well and, and supposing by some chance the defendants should win what would become of me ah that is where your self-sacrifice would come in it would be a noble action how does this wrong you say they are about to perpetrate touch on you personally it touches on someone with whom i am personally acquainted someone you like yes a relation that i can't say then i can't help you i am naturally inquisitive curiosity is as you know a woman's privilege you must tell me all it's for a friend then a man no shiel replied for a girl there was an emphatic silence and then lillian rosenberg spoke have i ever heard you mention her occasionally shiel replied there was silence again then lillian rosenberg said slowly you surely don't mean gladys martin i can think of no one else i do mean her shiel replied dropping his eyes she is to be coerced into marrying hamar the silly fool lillian rosenberg said i would like to see anyone trying to coerce me and it is to serve her you want me to sacrifice myself and she turned away in disgust after this interview lillian studiously avoided shiel and despairing at length of ever winning her over shiel reported his failure to h v sevening we must subpoena her said sevening you'll never get her to speak that way shiel said if once she has made up her mind not to do a thing nothing will ever compel her i have heard that said of people before h v sevening replied dryly but it's wonderful what the witness-box can do it loosens the most mulish tongues in a marvellous manner it wouldn't hers shiel maintained h v sevening however thought he knew best what lawyer doesn't moreover it was all part of the game the great game of becoming notorious at all costs he served the subpoena like most modern girls lillian rosenberg was wholly selfish and for this fault only her parents were to blame she had been brought up with the one idea of pleasing herself of saying and doing exactly what she thought fit and no one had ever thwarted her now however the unforeseen had happened she was smitten with the grand passion and confronted for the first time in her life with the startling proposition of self-sacrifice she loved shiel she wouldn't marry him for the very simple reason he had no money but that only added poignancy to the situation she loved him all the more she knew shiel loved gladys martin whether he could ever marry gladys martin was another matter but he loved her all the same and the proposition that had been so abruptly thrust upon lillian rosenberg was that she should sacrifice herself not only to save gladys martin from marrying hamar but to pave the way for shiel supposing gladys could reconcile herself to penury or marry herself in other words she had been called upon to give up what was at the moment dearest to her in the world 
and to court all the inconveniences and worries of being thrown out of employment for if she gave evidence that would in any way tend to damage the firm of hamar curtis and kelson she would undoubtedly lose her post and in all probability never get another at least not another as good for the sake of a woman whom she did not know but nevertheless hated yet there was in her as there is in almost every girl however up to date a uh, chord responded to the heroic a short time back she would have scoffed at the very thought of self-sacrifice but now she actually caught herself considering it she kept on considering it too until the trial was well advanced and had practically made up her mind to denounce the trio and go to the wall herself when the subpoena was served end of chapter twenty four read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california